Impact Lab, connecting social entrepreneurs, nonprofit professionals, tech innovators, and activists with ideas and tools that enable their organizations to make the strongest possible impact. Today's guest is Alejandra Guzman. Alejandra is an expert in social responsibility, community development, and new business development. She has extensive experience working at the intersection of the private and nonprofit sectors. She is currently based in New Orleans, Louisiana, where she serves as the Vice President of Program Development and Strategy for the New Orleans Business Alliance. Thank you for joining us. This is your host, Lynette Zimmerman, broadcasting from Philadelphia. Today's podcast is powered by Impact Tap, sharing social good through new media. Find out more at theimpacttap.com. Alejandra, thank you so much for joining us today. We've been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for inviting me to be part of Impact Lab. Excellent. You know, as our listeners heard in the introduction, you are the Vice President for Program Development and Strategy at the New Orleans Business Alliance, you know, where you've oversee a variety of projects relating to community and business development. And today we're going to talk about the intersection of quality of life and workforce development and how they relate to improving cities. Uh, but before we jump into the discussion, why don't you tell us about uh, your backstory and how you got to where you are now? Yes, of course. Um, I'll tell you a little bit of my backstory. Uh, I was raised in Monterey, Mexico where I had the opportunity to graduate from Monterey Tech as an organizational psychologist. And uh, even before I graduated, I decided it was a good idea to intern at Zemex. This is an international company based in Monterey. Um, and this is an important chapter of my professional life because it was while working for Zemex that I discovered that it was possible to create a positive change in my community via the private sector. And I have always been motivated to help improve the life of people. That's why I chose an undergraduate degree in the humanities. And um, while working for this company, I was able to analyze intersectoral partnership programs that combine non-government organizations, NGO, government agencies, and the private sector, and all focus on solving community and economic development challenges in Mexico and abroad. And uh, at that point of my career, I was able to attest that programs designed with the leadership of the private sector could really, really make a difference in the lives of many families. And um, I was fascinated by this and wanted to continue to be part of it. And um, I'll say this experience also taught me that business acumen was key to design and implement successful projects. So that's when I decided to apply to an MBA program, and uh, I was eventually accepted to Tulane School of Business in New Orleans, from which I graduated in 2012. And before permanently establishing in New Orleans, where I call home now, um, I engaged in two more projects in Monterey, although very different. Both included intersectional partnerships and were aiming to create systemic change. And the project that probably created the most impact on me was working to develop a public-private partnership to advance urban development and multimodal forms of transportation in Monterey. And uh, our project started with the objective to solve traffic problems. And we discovered very quickly that to solve that, we had to advance in urban development. 
traffic was really creating chaos in our community. And we realized through the, this project that we were a community relying on cars. We had very few bike lanes. And the quality of our sidewalk, sidewalks was very, very poor. I would even venture to say non-existent. And um, in the process of creating a plan to solve this problem and create significant urban change, we discovered that we had great potential to transform to a better place, and this could be done through collaboration, particularly community collaboration. And um, I can say that this project is important for me because it helped me connect the pieces. I saw how urban development is important because it creates that platform for quality of life. And what was once cows in my eyes, in my community, as we started analyzing the many different pieces of our urban landscape, I saw how this was not really chaos, but we just had this organization and we needed to connect the different pieces and fill some gaps. So um, this experience helped me really understand that effective placemaking and even a real estate play can capitalize on the local community assets and create great places that contribute to people being happy and have healthy communities. And um, all of this experience have shaped my view of economic and community development. Oh, that's fantastic. Let's take this to the next level here. So you've helped manage projects that involve collaboration between NGOs and private enterprise, and, and you've spoken very eloquently about that. Now, let's, you know, go one step deeper and have you describe the relationship aspect of this. So it all sounds good in theory, right? What you've done, you know, you've accomplished a lot, but let's get down to the nuts and bolts of it. How did you manage these relationships? Well, I'll start by saying something. First and foremost, everything we do through community and economic development work, every single program should be about people and providing opportunities of growth and well-being. And no matter what our socioeconomic background, race, educational attainment, or whatever corner of the world you live in, we all want to have quality of life and want the best for our families. And uh, solving some of our most pressing issues require intentionality. So I'll say intentionality from businesses, from government agents, from nonprofits, from civic leaders is really important. And um, again, to consider that uh, most of our pre most pressing issues in society are not going to be solved following an organic process. So this is why we need the intervention of these organizations. And uh, I'll say that there's not not so not no such thing as a single way to solve an issue. It's always a multidisciplinary approach, and there's no single success strategy for economic development for or our community development. Um, uh, there's no single way to solve this. So advancement, in my opinion, occurs with focus on three main pillars, and this is where I start getting more into how we make this happen. Uh, first is for me is business development. We need to figure the way that uh, to bring jobs to our community, uh, workforce development and talent cultivation, which creates the right pipeline of talent for business needs and promoting a quality of place, which is creating those balanced places that provide quality of life. And uh, I call this the three pillars of smart economic development. Oh, and I love that. That's That's brilliant. Yeah, and you need the three elements. So each of each pillar will have like a sub-element. So to make any project prosper, uh, we need to have their subsystem working together, right? Absolutely. So, 
yeah, so let me give you like more details of how I see how this works. Um, so one of the top reasons, for instance, a business will decide to relocate or stay in a given area is the ability of qualified talent pipeline. And at the same time, an important reason that talent decides to live in a city is the possibility to, to have a great uh, quality of life experience. So this means affordable housing, good schools to send their kids to, good pl uh, places to go out, culture, green areas, and many other uh, factors. And the winning projects or winning economic development strategies will be those that consider all those three pillars. It sounds like a good balanced effort is what is needed. So this, this is excellent. Let's extend this conversation into New Orleans specifically. Uh, obviously, this city has experienced its share of challenges in uh, recent history, uh, to mention Hurricane Katrina, which wrought immense damage on the city. And there was numerous efforts to rebuild, uh, requiring all different entities, nonprofits, government agencies, and private business uh, to complete this effort. Can you talk about this as an example of urban renewal? Yes, uh, and I'll make a uh, uh, distinction first or clarification. I think that it is very common to hear that uh, the only relationship with, between nonprofits and the private enterprise is philanthropy, but I think that there are greater ties that go beyond philanthropy between the interests of a business and society. And uh, businesses stand at the center of many of our most pressing community challenges. For example, the need to reduce carbon emissions, access to affordable housing, infrastructure repair and upgrades, uh, workplace education and training, and many others. And uh, consider that these topics necessarily influence how companies operate and how they design products and service for their customers. And particularly through the work that I engage in Mexico, I was witness of a form of capitalism that meets public needs without necessarily constraining innovation growth in the private sector. And uh, a good example of this is a microfinance project created within Themex to develop an underserved market. Um, and while they were assisting families that could not afford building materials to construct their homes and businesses, they were developing their commercial strategy. So... I'll elaborate a little bit on this. Um, the project was originally conceived as one to, to understand the customers in the soft construction, construction segment, and this is a major component of the Mexican market. And uh, a large concentration is in the low-income customers. And the way this program was designed is to set out solutions tailored to customers in accordance with their construction needs and ability to repay. And um, through this program, the customers receive uh, advice from experts such as uh, architects who work with them directly to design their project, and their projects are later financed through a microcredit. So the company has gained incredible results. They've, um, uh, they've helped 2.5 million people and benefit more than 500 families. And the initiative was, it, it was launched in Mexico, but then uh, now it's in many different Latin American Countries And the point I'm trying to make here is that uh, this intersection between the nonprofit and, a nonprofit and the private sector can really create incredible results to, to solve some of our most pressing issues. And uh, I see this as a key relationship that is needed also in cities like New Orleans. So this is why I wanted to share this, this case. It really sounds like you're... you're speaking directly to social impact and social good, you know, through this interconnection. Uh, so keep expanding on that and, and tell us more about uh, the direct impact for New Orleans. 
So, yeah, and, and I'll talk about uh, what has happened in the last 10 years after Katrina. Um, I think New Orleans is a fascinating place that has captivated the hearts and souls of many, including mine. And um, I think that uh, the experiences that we've gone through as a community has proven that we know how to work together, which is important to the point I was making previously. We really need to understand how this intersectoral uh, alliances need to work. And uh, it's now been more than 10 years after Katrina. And in that time, many different organizations and individuals have stepped forward to advance in different areas. And uh, there have been many success stories. But um, in my case, uh, I'm a newcomer. And um, really, my role has been around empowering economic development. And I've been involved in following up with an economic development plan created for New Orleans from the organization I serve currently. And uh, this has been the first comprehensive development plan in New Orleans recent history. And we brought together more than 200 different stakeholders representing different sectors of the city that came together. And through a process, we came up with five different industry clusters that we thought were relevant to support. And uh, the most important variables to select these clusters were their strength and projected growth. Some of those are bioinnovation and health services and creative digital media. And uh, I bring out, stress out those two because we've seen major success recently uh, within those two clusters. Oh, that, so, that's great. I hadn't thought of the city as a tech hub, but I'm excited to hear this. Yes, and I'll give you a couple of examples. We've been gaining a lot of attention in, in the media as a, as a city that's thriving, particularly in this sector. So um, uh, I'll develop more, and particularly on tech, on the tech industry. Recently, uh, New Orleans, we have a New Orleans startup, Lucid, and uh, they raised uh, $60 million in capital. They, and they will going to be they're going to be using this to expand their operations locally and internationally and uh, this is a huge win for our entrepreneurial community because it's additional attention and evidence that we're ripe for continuous growth and that there's a tech story to tell in New Orleans and uh, an additional evidence to this is uh, to this success is that we were able to attract to the city uh, uh, tech conference that's called Coalition. This is an international conference that is focused on technology. And this year we were able to attract 20,000 entrepreneurs to our city. And uh, the group also included software developers, market, marketers, designers, and capital investors. Um, these people were coming from 110 different countries. So it's a huge thing for New Orleans to be able to host this type of uh, convention. And for the healthcare sector that I also mentioned, uh, we recently had a company, Provision Healthcare. Uh, they announced in late April of this year that they will be developing a 30,000 uh, square foot advancement cancer center treatment, cancer center treatment uh, in New Orleans. And this will be located in our medical district. So. Uh, this is also a huge win. They will be investing $100 million in capital investment. And uh, this is just great news for cancer patients and our New Orleans community in large. 
And I'll say that projects like this have been possible because of the New Orleans community. We've been able to come together. We have shown um, that we have world-class facilities and that we're, we, we're, we can work together. So I think that these are all recent success stories that prove that New Orleans is really driving and open for business. Oh, this is great. I, I'm learning so much about the city that I already love and have a passion for their food scene, so now I can appreciate it even further. This is excellent. So you speak very passionately about what you do, and, and that is an amazing feature and uh, attribute that you have. So tell us, who's influencing you? Who do you look to for guidance? So uh, I, I think, you know... Your your life or anybody's life, for that matter, is always a result, in great part, from the influence you get by people over time. And I think in my case, uh, my parents have been my biggest influencers, and I can't even choose one over the other because they they've always worked as a team. And I think they're kind of humanity. They're open for culture, and specifically, they're open to diversity. Have really inspired me to always aim to be a positive contributor to to the community I serve. Um, also, I would say that business leaders, particularly in Monterey, Mexico, where I grew up, have influenced me tremendously. And uh, this city has been recognized, the city of Monterey has been recognized uh, to be home of innovators and very successful businesses and business leaders. And uh, I've seen how business leaders have been actively engaged to use their knowledge to solve our community's most pressing needs. I just mentioned the microfinance program that was hosted uh, and, and created by private sector leaders. And I also mentioned multiple times during this conversation how I really respect civic engagement and I think this is particularly more important in communities that have not been able to offer equitable opportunities for all. And uh, a good example of a business leader in Monterey that I admire is Mr. Eugenio Garzazada. This is a man that had an incredible vision. He pioneered initiatives around healthcare and housing for workers back in the 50s. And it's been said that his inspiration was uh, the thought that everybody, regardless of their background or or whatever their opportunities they had in life, they deserve a quality of life for them and their families. And one of the programs he created, for example, following this train of thought, was um, back in 1957, he developed a 40-acre housing compound that represented the initial stage of a housing program that Mr. Eugenio put in place for the workers of his companies. And uh, this is just one example because other programs for his workers included healthcare system that offer coverage for workers and their families as well. And I just think this vision is incredible. Uh, this person was ahead of his time and he realized the importance of healthcare, uh, healthcare system and a housing program and other social programs that at that time were not available for all in Mexico. And eventually the Mexican government uh, address these issues, taking, taking in consideration these best practices. So, and in fact, some of these practices were later taken and converted into public programs. So for me, that's huge, how uh, somebody from the private se sector took leadership, vision, and uh, I just really respect this. Oh, absolutely. Sounds like an amazing person. And 
and congratulations to your parents. They've, they've raised an outstanding citizen. So this has been a true pleasure speaking with you today. How do our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, thank you so much. And it's been an honor for me to talk to you. Uh, the best way to get in touch with me is through social media. I'm very active on Twitter. And my Twitter handle is at Ali Guzman. That's A-L-E-G-U-Z-M-A-N. Wonderful. Thank you again, Alejandra. Thank you.